This is Metal Mike, and in this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, we talk to a guy who kills it on the kit from Angels of Babylon and Manowar, Rhino. We talk to him about what he's up to today, and we hear his side of the Manowar story. Check it out. Rhino, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing tonight, man? Great, man. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. So why don't you tell us, what's going on with your band, Angels of Babylon? Well, uh, when I started the band, um, this is probably back in 2000, and I'm going to say like uh, 10, somewhere around in there, uh, I actually recruited Dave Ellison in the band as a bass player, and a great singer, Dave Feffolt, and me, and uh, Ethan Brosh on guitar, and um, I, already, I already had songs written, and they came in, and we did the record, and um, it went over really well, it had really great reviews, did a sm- little, small little tour, of course Dave Ellison left, because you know, all of a sudden he was back in Megadeth, and... Um, after that, I, I put out another record, and it was just me singing on it and a couple other people, and then uh, Ethan left. I'm just trying to make it as, as quick and short as I can. <laughs> it's okay, but, you're fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ethan left, and um, I got uh, bass player Ned Maloney. He plays in Burning Star with Jack Starr, so he's playing bass, and I got a new guitar player, um, uh, and I'm just coming out with a new one, uh, new Angels of Babylon record any, any day now. I've, I've got the songs finished and I've got them recorded and I'm just waiting for, um, well, actually, basically I'm just shopping some labels right now and we'll see what happens, man. I'm, it's not really, this may, it's, I'm just, don't quote me on this, but it may be the last one I do. I'm not sure at the, at, at, at the I'm just going to see what happens with this next record, you know, I'll see what happens. You see how, see how it goes, see how I feel. And, uh, we'll take it from there. So how was it going from just being the drummer to being the drummer and the vocalist? Because I, I wasn't aware of that until I went back, did some research, watched videos of you guys. I didn't realize that, you know, you were also a singer. Yeah. Uh, I sang a lot in my dad's bands growing up. Um, and it just came naturally for me. A lot of times, I would do the uh, I would do the demo vocal, vocal parts on on the angel stuff, and you know, give them the day fall and say, "Hey, this is the melody I hear. You know, this is what I'm singing." And you know, you could just stick some words on it or what whatnot. And uh, like I said, after he left, I, he's such a great vocalist, man. I loved his style. <clears throat> I loved the way he sang. I, I just, gosh, that guy's such a great singer. And I just couldn't find anybody to replace him. I thought, well, you know, out of necessity, I thought, well, I'll just do it because, you know, I, I really enjoyed getting out there and, and playing and performing. And, you know, uh, it's, it's the, the band's kind of my baby and the songs are, you know, I wrote all the songs. I thought, well, why, why don't I just go ahead and sing? And, uh, it, it, you know, it ended up being just a three-piece band and it worked out really good. There were times I've definitely thought, man, I wish I really had a good front man. And then there are also times I thought maybe I'll be the front man. I'll, you know, get a drummer to play. But, um, no, it's just, it just turned out, uh, pretty cool just to have me back there singing. And, you know, maybe someday, maybe I will go out front and, and, and be a front guy because, you know, I'm really kind of a, I'm a closet 
well, I'm not a closet singer because I'm, you know, I'm certainly out doing it, but, you know, that's like my next favorite thing is singing, you know, next to drums. So maybe I'll just get out there and, and go out front. We'll see what happens. You know, a lot of times, though, people, especially fans, sometimes appreciate the songwriter actually singing the songs because I think there's there's a little bit of a connection. Not a little bit. There's actually a lot of a connection when when you're the writer and then it's your voice that's on it. And and don't get me wrong, you've got a great voice, but there's some people out there that you know, somebody like Bob Dylan, let's say for instance. You know what I mean? He's not the greatest singer, but he has an interesting voice and he's the songwriter. You know what I mean? So a lot a lot of times it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's interesting that you say that because um, I think that certainly you could put, you, you're going to put more passion into what you're singing if you've written the lyrics and written the music. You you really, I think, you feel, you're going to feel it and you're going to, um, well, my experience is uh, you just want to portray you want people to feel what you're feeling. You really want them to get into what you're getting into and the, the emotions that you're getting into and the music. And you want, you want the audience to feel that as well. And, you know, yeah, this, if it's just, it's just that I hear a certain thing in my head, I hear a certain type of music, hear certain types of melodies that, you know, I've always, I've kind of always heard in my head and, and I want people to hear it and say, Hey, this is what I've got to offer. And uh, when people are liking it and they're really, they're telling me, man, this is really good stuff. There's nothing better in the world to hear that. Hey, man, this is really great. I really like your stuff a lot. Man, it's really great. <laughs> you know? Oh, no doubt. So, yeah. What's the direction of the material? Pretty much in the same vein of your other albums? Same vein, you know, some orchestration. Um, uh I've been told that it's kind of 80s style, which is fine with me. You know, I, I love 80s classic metal. Um, yeah, more more in the vein of uh, of what what I've been doing. Um, let's see, what else could I say about it? Uh, there's some personal songs on there. I wrote a song there about uh, about my son. Uh, um, you know, so there's a variety, there's some good stuff, there's some heavy stuff, there's some more, you know, I got, there's a ballad on there, a heavy, probably a power ballad, so, yeah, it's about the same vein, yeah. Awesome. Well, I gotta tell you, man, I'm a man of war freak, alright, let's just get that out on the, on the table. Um, <laughs> so I gotta ask you about some man of war stuff. How did the man of war gig come about? Um, I was playing in a, uh, I had a band called Archangel back in the day in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, Manor was coming through through town to play the, the the popular metal club that you know we always play. Of course, my band was very popular at the time, and uh, <clears throat> they uh, the club put us in as an opening act for Manor and. Uh, so what happened was I was talking to Scott Columbus before, you know, we were going to play. I said, Hey man, you know, you, you should check out my band. I think you'll like it. Um, you know, I have a similar setup that you have, you know, with the, with the Chrome kit. I had a Chrome kit just like he had. And, uh, he was like, yeah, man, I'll check it out. And, uh, obviously he did. And at the time he was leaving and he, he ran to the bus and said, man, you got to check this guy out. He'd be a perfect fit for the band. Because they really liked a lot of the double bass house, because that's a, that's the uh, direction Joey wanted to go was a, like a lot of double bass to, on the record because that's what was really really happening at the time. And they came out and saw me, and um, 
actually it was funny because that when the gig was over, Eric came up to me and said, Hey man, he said, you know, uh, why don't we, he goes, why don't I get your number? Maybe we could do some shows together. We really like your band. And, and uh, <clears throat> I said, sure, man, I'll, I'll give you my phone number. And next thing I know, you know, Joey called me up and said, Hey, you know, I want to talk to you about, uh, you know, do collaboration and doing some things together. And, um, that's kind of how it went down. Uh, he, in fact, he came into town and in Nashville and said, well, <clears throat> said, um, he laid out a contract. He said, would you, you know, I want to be your manager. I said, okay. Uh, sure. You know, he's, he's told me I could place you in some pretty good spots. Maybe it's some, some good bands. And I signed it. And he said, well, welcome to the new man or uh, drummer for man. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. All right. That's cool. That's great. That that's, perfect that's how that's how it happened were you a fan of those guys uh prior um honestly no but uh what's funny is when uh when i got the bands of the kings of metal album came out and joey's like okay i want you to you know i'm going to give you all these cassettes at the time you know cassettes i'm give you all the cassettes i want you to go through them learn you know these particular songs and you know get get the idea of what's going on. In fact, I told him, so well, I was never really a big man. He's oh, that's all right, so don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, that's all right. Uh, so I listened, and then when I listened to it, I was like, wow, I really liked it, especially Kings of Metal. In fact, I think Kings of Metal is probably one of the greatest heavy metal records ever written. It's, it's definitely one of my top five. It's a classic, um, no doubt. I mean, it's really such a magnificent album. So yeah, when I got to listen to it, I really dig this. So I, I, I kind of became a fan after that. Yeah. Well, I gotta tell you, uh, I mean, I like all their albums, but for some reason, Triumph of Steel is my favorite. Um, I just, I dig, awesome. I just dig the sound. I dig the songs. And uh, once again, I'm, I mean, I'm gonna sound like I'm kissing your ass here or something, but I'd say this is my second favorite drum album of all time. Um, my first is gonna Great. be uh, Kiss Creatures of the Night. I'm, I'm a huge Kiss fan, but I love that. I love that album. In fact, I, I was never a Kiss fan, but Creatures of the Night is the coolest freaking album, man. I yeah. love that album. Yeah, that's got sick <laughs> drums. That's got super sick drums. But man, the drums yeah. that are on the Triumph of Steel. I mean, we're talking the the, the sound quality, the power. Uh, the complexity—it's yeah. just, dude, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, what's funny is that Joey kind of—you know—he's kind of the guy's in the—he's a genius. He really is, no doubt. But he came up with a lot of ideas on let's let's create this sound, let's do this, let's do that. And ever since then, I always tell people, you know, and I I, I think I'm right that a lot of people that you hear nowadays, they. They listen to Triumph of Steel, and they're really influenced by that drum sound, by that sound, and that that's that's all you hear a lot of nowadays. Is that you know the fast double bass and yeah. that that sound, that real big sound. I think a lot of people were influenced. <clears throat> but what's cool about it is uh, there's a lot of bands that'll just use the double bass and they'll pretty much just keep it constant through the whole song. Uh, one right, of my favorite right. songs on there is Spirit Horse of the Cherokee, right? And I like how it's just yeah. real simple and powerful during the song. And then you do all that yeah. crazy shit at the end with the double bass and everything, and it's just it's just so cool because yeah. it's not going out throughout the whole song, but you, you right. kind of you pepper it in at the end, and oh, it's just killer, man, killer. Yeah, fun times, man. Really, really great times. 
Now, did Thank you have you. a say on a lot of that, like creating those ideas, or what, did you were you told, "Oh, play this here, play that there," or, or who? How did those all those riffs come about, like the drum lines? Yeah, we 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 all really pretty much collaborative on ideas. But Joey, you know, the guy's got a, he's just like me with Angels of Battle. He has a real vision for that right. band. He always has, and he um, you know, he comes up with a lot of the ideas, and you know, some of them are like, ah, it's that, you know, I mean, to, you know, like for instance, uh, you know, Metal Warriors, man, we 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 went for months trying to, you know, try this, try that, do this, do that. I mean, it just seemed like it was never going to end. But a lot of times what's funny is that what you decided on the very beginning, you come around in a circle and that's, that's where you end up, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. what worked the best. Oh, I love that song yeah. too. And once again, that's one of those simplistic songs when you're like, it's just a hit, you know, it's just a, it's just a single hit or, or, or a chord. And it's just like yeah. bone crushing, you know. It's like it's powerful. It's huge, yeah, man, huge. Again, it goes over really well live in a big arena or a big auditorium. It goes over so well, you know. It's just it's just it's just so much space there. People love it. So now that you know you've taken over in, in recent years being a singer, I mean, what kind of appreciation do you have for somebody like Eric Adams? Yeah, you know, Eric's another great guy, really great guy, man. Great, of course, one of the best heavy metal singers ever. I have a real big appreciation. I don't have that kind of range, and I don't know how that guy does it. But, um, yeah, I have a great, great appreciation. Of course, my dad's a singer, too. My dad's a performer. So, um, yeah, a lot, lot, of, lot of appreciation because, you know, your voice is it's part of your body. You have to take care of it, and you have to be careful. And, you know, it's not like you can just go out there and, you know, even if you're sick, sometimes you you know you go out there and bang on some drums, but you, you get a little bit of illness, so that's it. You know, you're done. Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly do appreciate that. Yeah, he's <clears throat> he's something else, man. You know, that's one of those ones where you can just go back to all those albums and 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 the the clarity of his voice at times, the 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 rawness, the raspiness. He can kind of go from zero to to one hundred, you know, in a second. It's amazing. What he oh does. man, that's amazing. The guy's like. I don't know how many years have we doing now 30, 40 plus years where he's still out there doing it. It's, it's incredible. So I think I saw you guys, uh, it was 93, and I saw you at a small club in Syracuse, Lost Horizon. And <laughs> yeah. do you remember this? Okay, so it, it was yeah. the most horrible snowstorm ever. Yeah, yep, it was bad. Yeah, it was, I mean, roads were closed, nasty. Not that many people showed up, and it wasn't anything to do with you guys. It was to do with the weather. And you guys played in your street clothes, so there was no – you didn't wear the blather right. and all that shit. You know what I mean? You were just regular clothes, and it was still just a killer show. And I'll never forget you did the melody where they had, like, Queen and Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin in it. And just one of those – just that whole show, I'll never forget it. You know what I mean? It was wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's great, man. I think we did that overseas, too. We did it in Germany or something around Christmas time. Um yeah, I just really enjoyed playing that. Stuff. Some of our favorite bands, man, it was really, really, really cool. And it was weird for me as a as a young fan because I always thought, like you know, at the time, like Manowar didn't like like hated everybody, you know what I mean? Because it's always like wimps and posers leave the hall, you know. It, it, Manowar feels like they're in their own lane, you know what I mean? Like they don't have influences. But it was cool to hear Manowar do you know Queen and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, no, they. Uh... They were fans too of, of of all those bands, and um, you know, like I said, really cool guys, and um, you know, really really great time. And sometimes I wish I could go back, but you know, I wouldn't have my son, I wouldn't have my beautiful wife next to me. But yeah, those were some really good times. 
Now, like on my page, as you know, my page is called 80s Glam Model. So, I mean, I fin- I feature wimps and posers in probably the definition of Manowar on my page. So how much of that is just like uh, an act? How much of it, you know, how much of some of that Manowar rhetoric is, is real? Oh, trust me. Trust me. It's real. I mean, it's is not it? <laughs> to the point where <laughs> it's not the point where you think, man, this guy's. uh you know, a child or something. Those guys really are serious about the, about heavy metal and about, you know, delivering music and a show that people appreciate and, and it's, it's quality and it's for real, man. It's not, it's not, it's not a, it's not, it's not a fake. It's not a joke, man. Like I said, these guys work harder than anybody I've ever known in the, in, in the industry. And, uh, yeah, Joey for sure is, is is serious about it, man. He he loves what he does, and he you know he he loves the fans, and uh, it's it's true, man. He, <laughs> you know, there are posers out there. Better be posers. Yeah, <laughs> great, I love it. Now, speaking of like glam and like eighties metal and stuff like that, did, did you get into any of that scene back in the day? Did you like like bands like Motley Crue and Rat or any of that stuff? I, I like Motley Crue pretty much. I, I like the Theater of Pain and Shout the Devil album. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, those, those two, I, I do remember listening to Theater of Pain an awful lot. Um, I went to see them in concert. and uh, But other the hair metal thing, whatever you want to call it, I, no, man, I was never a fan of any of that stuff. I, I was I was always, you know, thinking that I was on the, like, kind of uh, a rebel, you know, listening to Iron Maiden and Judas Priest right. and Bing Bay Malmsteen and uh, those are the bands I listened to, man. Dio, uh, Sabbath, uh, of course, Queen was one of my first favorite. Actually, uh, Electrolyte Orchestra I also really, really, really liked a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much killer music. And with any of us, you know, we I have this conversation a lot, you know, just because, you know, you played in Manowar, like I said, doesn't mean you can't listen to ELO. Or if, if my page is 80s glam, doesn't mean that I don't listen to, you know, Manowar. No. You know what I mean? We all no, have different not, not at all, yeah, no. We're all just, you know, that's everybody. You, you have different things that you like. So what happened yeah. with you exiting the band? I mean, Scott Columbus comes back and you were just out. What, what happened? Yeah, you know, really the truth of the matter is I really kind of wanted to stretch out. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting to be to be exiting so early, but I, I kind of wanted to stretch out, you know, do my own band, you know, write songs, you know, and, uh, be, you know, I kind of wanted to do both, but, uh, you know, really there wasn't, I don't think, any room to do both at the same time because, you know, when you're a man where you're pretty much, you know, you're, you're dedicated to man where that's, that's, that's it. And, um, you know, Scott wanted to come back, and Scott, you know, really was family to those guys. Right. And I mean, I, I really understood. I, I didn't at the time, but I understand it now. You know, he was really, he's, he was really, truly the the drummer, not necessarily the original drummer, but he really was the drummer for Man of War. And uh, we just came to a, me and Joey just came to a, a mutual agreement that uh, you know I, I should just go out there and try and make a mark on my own. Um. And I and I tried, and I really didn't. I wasn't as successful as I wanted to be, and I still have it to this day. Not as successful as I wanted to be, but that's okay. You know, and that doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me one bit, man. It, it really, really doesn't. Just as long as I'm still writing, I'm creating. That's what I love to do. That's that's what I'm always going to do. Was there a band member uh, when you were in the lineup that you connected with the most? Oh yeah, me and David, me and David, man, we were, gosh, best friends, man. We hung out and we, 
we did so much together. We even lived together in a little apartment up there while we were in New York rehearsing and uh, doing the record. We, David was my buddy, man. We, we had so much fun together. I, I still got cassette recordings of us, you know, singing goofy songs and making up <laughs> lyrics to stupid, <laughs> stupid acoustic songs, man. And, uh, we, you know, going outside, throwing a frisbee and walking to the supermarket and, you know, shopping for food. And I uh, was great times, man. Oh, that's awesome. You know, and I got to say, as a fan, like I said, I like Triumph of Steel so much that, to me, Louder Than Hell was just a disappointment. And, and I'm not looking for you to bag on the album, but I'm just saying, as a fan, I, I feel like Triumph of Steel was so good. And I yeah. just, it took me a while, don't get me wrong, like maybe five, six, seven years, I came around and I, you know, and I, I start to appreciate Louder Than Hell because it was more of like a back to basics. Uh, sound for yeah. the band. You know, they were, yes, it yeah, was. Right. Back they were scaling basics, back. Yeah. And at the time, yeah. I just I wanted Triumph of Steel Part Two. You know, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't when you yeah. you know when you're in the zone? So you know? would I. I would like that too. That would be awesome. Yeah, because it was it was so good, and it really wasn't the. I mean, when you cut off the first song, that's like a half hour or whatever. It's not that. There's not that many songs. You know what I mean? So yeah, I was always true. looking yeah. for another one. And as a fan. With Man of War, you always had to wait forever to get new music. So it was like you waited all these years, and then for some <laughs> reason, it was like, "Damn, I just this, this album is not connecting with me." You know? I hear you. I hear, you, brother. So you played with um, you played with Ross the Boss and his band too, didn't you? Yeah, I did, and I love Ross. And um, I just want to, you know, look. Ross is a great guy. He's a great player, great player, and I had really. Well, I have a ton of respect for that guy. And I just want to go on record right now and say, you know, last I did an interview um, on uh, an online interview that was on my page, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And I might, I, I don't, I don't want to hurt nobody, man. I might have said some things that were maybe I shouldn't have said. Um, but I don't want to hurt anybody, man. Those guys in that band, I appreciate and I respect. And, uh, I just want to set the record straight that, you know, I really enjoy being in that band. But the thing is, like I said, I just want to mention, you know, like a guy like Mark Lopes, killer. That guy's got more aggression. And I'm telling nobody's got more aggression than that guy in his vocals. The new, the new stuff out, it'll just blow you away. I mean, it's, it's so massive. And Michael Pond, killer, killer bass player, fun guy to be around, sweet guy. Um, I just, man, you know, traveling and getting on the road anymore, it just isn't a real priority for me. And being out there, I miss my family so much. Bottom line, miss my wife, miss my son, you know, and uh, I just, like I said, I had one foot still, you know, in, in my house and one foot, you know, on the road. It's just, I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't bear to be away from him anymore. That's pretty much the bottom line. No man, I I totally understand. Um, and and back to their singer. I mean, I'm a huge Sabotage fan, and I, I hear some Sabotage uh, John Oliva in his voice, and I think that's cool because I don't I don't hear a lot of people that have that influence that that blatantly. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I so I so to for me, if it, with a little bit of Manowar and Sabotage mixed together, man, that's a winning combination for me right there. I tell you, I've never heard anybody like this guy. I really haven't. I mean, he's, he puts so much conviction. I mean, I don't, have you heard uh, the new song? I've listened to it now three or four times. I'm telling you, that guy, nobody can deliver a metal lyric like Mark, Mark Lopes. I mean, that's honest to God's truth. Nobody can deliver that kind of aggression. And that, I've never heard anything like it before in my life. 
You know, it's just it, the, 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 the conviction and emotion, and, and it's just amazing. I mean, that's, that's coming from the heart. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, man, sabotage and um, what else did you say? Um, sabotage and uh, a combination of somebody else you said. Oh, I said Man of War. But you know what? I think he's got some, uh, yeah. there's some priest in there too, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy's got a range like, oh, man, I, I don't know how he does those high notes like that. It's incredible. Yeah. No, I enjoy it, and, and it was funny. I, I interviewed Ross maybe a month and a half ago or something like that, and uh, obviously prepare for any interview. I, I get in the zone. I listen to the the new music, and uh, I think I listened to their second or whatever, whatever the most recent album was, and uh, I was blown away. I thought it was great. Yeah, but denied by the cross. That's the song. That's the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, how's your relationship with Manowar? You ever any contact with those guys or? No, I, I talked to Eric just very seldom. I talked to him by email, and that's that's it, man. Uh-huh. That that's that's it. <laughs> were you surprised when you know a couple of the members were out and they got um, like these the tribute guys? I don't think they have a. I think right now it's uh, Anders Johansson, right from from Ingve. Uh huh. He's a drummer yeah, now. Great drummer. Yeah, but Kill, I know killer they, drummer. Yeah, they had a couple. Like at one point, I know they were playing with a guy from a tribute on the drums at one point, and now they've got a guy that was from a tribute uh, on the guitar. What are your thoughts? Yeah, on I don't know what I, I don't know what to think about that. To be honest with you, I. I I don't know. I know that Anders is killer, killer drummer. I'm, I'm, I'm happy yeah. for them. They got, they got that guy. I mean, my gosh, he, he could, he could certainly hold his own, and I think he fits perfectly. But as far as the guitar player, I, I just don't know what to think of that. I, I, I um, of course, I, I think Ross was the perfect fit. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to think. I haven't really heard much. All I know is I did hear one snip uh, live show, and I thought it sounded pretty darn i was pretty impressed uh, i don't know what do you think what do you think about it well yeah i mean well as a fan you know i'm looking especially of triumph of steel i'm looking for uh you know you and shankle to be back in but but yeah for me i yeah i was kind of like eh you know it, it didn't impress me i, I would have liked to have seen ross or um or shankle in for sure yeah I, I i don't know man it seems like the fans don't seem to mind you know they're, they're out there in droves i mean looks like they're selling out shows like crazy still and like i said i'm happy for them man. i'm really happy did you see the stage show they got it looks like freaking uh castle gray skull or something it's amazing yeah the stage is pretty elaborate that's that's wild man and, and uh Hey, Andrews, I noticed he's wearing some headphones. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. I, I don't know what, what he's listening to, but uh, <laughs> that, that's, in, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that always, cool. right, I'm with you. That's always a question mark. you got to think the same thing as a drummer. Like, why Why the hell do you have headphones? Like, unless you're playing to a click track, or what What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Uh, it's, but it, uh, it really looks amazing. That's all I know. And, and the uh, I don't know, maybe he's... Uh, I wouldn't wear headphones. I think I would wear like a little in-ear piece mm-hmm. or something, yeah. you know? Yep. So um, what do you want to say to all the people that have been following you all these years? Just following me? Yeah. Uh, follow Jesus. I had a guy one time tell me, man, the call. He says, man, he says, uh, 
he goes, uh, I was doing Angels of Babylon. So, you know, I got a couple of songs in there about, uh, about God, you know, and he's like, man, I really, because I'm just, I just don't like the, I just don't like the Jesus thing, man, you know, and I, I think of myself, I didn't say it to her, I think, well, I don't like the Satan thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> no, what would I say? I say, hey, man, you know, uh, look, you know, keep, keep listening, keep, keep checking out the band, and, and I hope that uh, I, I, I hope that I get a lot, a whole lot more Angels of Babylon fans, and, um, maybe we'll come out and do some shows. I, I, I know I'm gonna be in, uh, in May, I'll be in Italy, and I think I'm doing a show in Germany too with my buddy Sons of Odin, some Italian buddies of mine that, uh, gosh, they're like, they're like family. I wish I could be with them all the time. I love them to death. Uh, uh, I've got, uh, those guys play with me, uh, as it's sort of like, I call my European Angels of Babylon band. Mm-hmm. I got a couple of, um, uh, Italian uh, brothers of mine out there that, that play with me. Uh, and, um, you should check them out too. Sons of Odin. Really, really killer, killer bunch of guys. Great talent. And, uh, check that out, man. I'll be out there in, uh, in May. Well, hey, man, thanks for putting up with me nerding out on all the Man of War stuff, but you really gave me a lot of insight uh, into that era, so I appreciate it. No problem, brother. Thank you. Well, that was an awesome interview with Rhino, but now it's time to go from flop to top. So last week on Twitter, we put out a challenge to take an album that was considered a flop by a band and try to find another band to do it to bring it to the top. So we're going to go over the Twitter universe's responses. And right now we'll start with Rick Springfield doing Unmasked by Kiss. That was from Tony Rod. You know what? 1980, um, this probably, Unmasked probably was not the right album for Kiss at that point. But, you know, Rick Springfield doing Tomorrow or Shandy, I think he could have had some hits with that one. Agree 100%. We've got Bon Jovi recording Keel's 1987 self-titled album. I love the Keel uh, 1987 self-titled album. Uh, Once again, it just didn't hit the charts uh, at all, pretty much. And probably somebody like Bon Jovi could have taken it to the level that it needed to be at. And that was in from Robert Nash. Now we've got Alice in Chains doing Dysfunctional by Dokken. That's in from Richie Rich. I can totally hear uh, Alice in Chains doing that Dokken album. Once again, really probably wasn't the right fit for Dokken, but I believe Alice in Chains could have pulled that one off. Rat doing Eat the Heat. That was from Accept, and that was submitted by Electric Elf. I love Eat the Heat, but, you know, that album was just probably not in line with what Accept does. And uh, like we learned with our last episode there that we did, Rat probably can do just about anything, and I think they would have nailed some of those tracks on Eat the Heat. Metallica doing Creatures of the Night by Kiss. That's in by Rich Bramlage. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a heavier album. Metallica could probably beef that up a little bit, play it a little bit faster and nail it. You know, but when I think of Creatures of the Night, there's a couple other bands I think that could have nailed that album and, and took it to the commercial level that it needed to be at. One would be Motley Crue and another Judas Priest. So I think in the early 80s where Kiss was kind of on the decline, those two bands could have took this to the commercial height that it needed to be at. Candlebox doing Subhuman Race by Skid Row. That's in from Scott Witt. Uh, yeah, Subhuman Race is a great album. It was just a bad time for the 80s bands, and Candlebox could have probably taken that uh, pretty high on the charts. Bon Jovi doing Love is for Suckers by Twisted Sister. That's in from Twisted Kister. 
Uh, yeah, man. Love is for Suckers is a great album. The song Hot Love, I've always thought if Poison or Bon Jovi or somebody else did that song, it would have been a hit. So I agree 100%. Foo Fighters, re-recording Van Halen 3. That's in uh, from Brian K. You know what? Maybe. It sounds like a good idea. Maybe it would work. Billy Idol, doing Turbo by Judas Priest. That's in from Michael Munch. I don't know about the whole album of Turbo, but I can definitely hear Billy Idol doing the song Turbo. And you know what? Hey, maybe that would have been a big one for him. And Priest, it's it's kind of mixed on what people think of that album. This is a goofy one, but it's funny. ABBA doing Dynasty by Kiss by Jeff Wiernick. Um, You know, I don't know about all the songs on Dynasty being done by ABBA, but I'm sure I Was Made For Loving You um, would have been a huge hit by ABBA. It was a big hit by Kiss, too, but I just thought that was funny, so I threw it on there. Okay, so now we're going to jump to myself, 80s glam metal. So, here's a few. We've got Firehouse, Against the Law, Striper. So, I know Michael Sweet doesn't look very fondly uh, at this album anymore, and it was a big departure from what Striper does, but I think a band like Firehouse could have pulled this album off just fine. I took a trick from Bob Nash's playbook, and I went with Bon Jovi doing Main Attraction by White Lion. So, once again, I, I kind of alluded to this on Twitter. You could om- Sometimes I think you can take a band and jump tiers. So, in 1991, White Lion, it was kind of over for them. But Bon Jovi, they might have been able to pull that off. And what that would have been is a little bit of a heavier album for them. And uh, when I hear songs like uh, Lights and Thunder and Love Don't Come Easy, and I think of Bon Jovi doing them, yep, I think we got something there. Now, uh, follow me on this one. We got Coverdale Page doing Voodoo Highway by Badlands. Don't get me wrong, Voodoo Highway is a great album by Badlands. Once again, 1991, we talk about it all the time. It's a bad year for the 80s bands. But uh, Coverdale Page, if they could have came out a few years earlier doing an album like Voodoo Highway, I think they would have had a big hit. I love Strange Highways by Dio. Most people probably think it's not you know, the perfect D.O. album. But what if Anthrax did it? I thought that was kind of a a cool thought. I don't know. Let me know what you think. And now here's another weird one. Once again, follow me on this one. So what if Cinderella did Native Tongue by Poison? So once again, Cinderella, Poison, probably in the same boat in the early 90s. But I just think about the trajectory that Cinderella was on. Could they have pulled off Native Tongue and made it a hit? We'll never know. Well, here, we've got two big ones to go over, and these ones will be controversial. We're going to put the covers right on the screen for you. So first, we're going to go with, what if, in 1992, Vince Neil stayed in Crew, and Crew put out an album that was similar to Dog Eat Dog by Warren. Just try to picture it. I can hear Vince and the crew doing Hole in My Wall and Machine Gun. I don't know, man. I think they could have pulled that one off. And once again, we're talking about the tears. Might have been a bad time for uh, Warrant, but maybe Crew could have stayed alive a little longer and had a commercial success with that one. Now, this is the one that people are just probably going to flip out and be pissed off at me about, but just try to follow me on it. So what if Kiss did an album similar to Motley Crue's 1994 with John Karabi? Now, now don't just follow me on this one for a minute. 
uh, when Revenge was out, and a few years after Revenge, we were always promised the, the brother of Revenge or the, the, the second coming of Revenge, and we never really got it because we know Carnival of Souls never had a real release, and it was a major departure for Kiss. But what if Kiss came out and did an album in 1994 trying to build off on some of the momentum that they had from Revenge and did an album in that kind of style as Motley Crue? Could Kiss have pulled it off? Could Kiss have pulled off what Motley Crue could have? you got to think, Vince was gone. There was a lot of hits to this band at this point. And with Alternative coming in, maybe Kiss could have pulled it off. I think of uh, Gene maybe doing Power to the Music. Uh, Paul doing Hooligans Holiday and Misunderstood. Once again, not every song would probably work for Kiss, but I think maybe they could have pulled it off. In some kind of alternate parallel 80s metal universe, maybe some of these albums that we all talked about would have worked. So, hey, guys, thanks for playing along. I always find it's fun. We'll keep doing it on Twitter. we got to keep ourselves busy during uh, our quarantine, our self-quarantines that we're all doing here. So, You guys, take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Keep rocking. See ya.